listening to the Franchise Podcast Network, presented by Lucky Star Casino. KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, the Outdoor Hour, giving you the inside scoop on the great outdoors on 1077 The Franchise. As long as I can remember, I've been drawn to the outdoors. There's something primal in each of us that awakens when we step outside the bounds of modern society and back into the vast possibilities of the natural world. The more civilized our lives become, the louder our hearts cry for reconnection with our native ways. Failure is imminent, dangers drawing nigh, but approached with reverence and tact, the outdoors return wisdom and gain. In both the outdoors and in life, harvests are fleeting, but lessons and memories abound. With that in mind, we step forth boldly together in pursuit of ourselves outdoors. We are nothing more than tree stand troubadours. Welcome inside the outdoor hour. I'm Taylor Maples. We are Sands Joshua Wildman Stratton this week. He is out and under the weather. It's a tough time of year to not be feeling well in his line of work, so... Uh, thoughts are with Josh. Behind the glass, as always, Goldfish. Hello, fellas. How are you, man? I am doing great. It's kind of weird to be up in the daytime right now, not going to lie. That's yeah. why I went straight for the coffee whenever I got here. I thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. How is nights going? Oh, dude, I love it. Do you? Oh, yes, man. It's fantastic. I'm up here by myself most of the time. I don't know. I get to hang out with the Thunder guys a little bit. Whenever there's road games, we'll watch the games in there. But other than that... It's peaceful up here. Kind of a little scary. This place is haunted, by the way. There's ghosts. Don't tell me that. There's ghosts of DJ's past in this building. <laughs> I, s- I swear, dude. Like no joke, no joke. Oh man. But uh, I I really do love it though. It's been it's been nice. Cool. It's good to see you. It's nice to see you as well. We've got a great guest in studio this week. Uh, third time I think on the show. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. It's been a little while. It's been. Over a year. Over a year. At yeah. least. Yeah. I don't think you've been on since Josh has been on. No, I haven't. Me. No. Yeah. So you were one of the first guests for sure. Um, you and Adam came back then and talked about his 300-inch bull elk oh at gosh. one point. Oh, my um, gosh. Little leprechaun winning. Yeah. First time he ever put in for an Oklahoma draw in the Wichita Mountains. And, and he almost missed it because he didn't know that he'd gotten the email. Oh, yeah. They they end up calling him like, are you going to show up? Yeah. And he was like, oh, and he calls me. He's like, you, hey, I got drawn for that elk hunt. Did you get drawn? I was like, shut up. You did not. <laughs> First time he ever put in. I'm, I'm, I'm 16 years now. Yeah. No draw. I no mean, draw. I know, I know, buddy. I got a buddy that's 40, 40 years in. No draw. And oh, redheaded Adam, you know, luck of the leprechaun. And uh, not only did he get it, but he harvested a tank. In in the first 45 minutes of and the hunt. it landed it, like right on the road. It shot it right next to a two track. Yeah. And so you usually have to have, you know, a whole crew go in and pack it out. He he didn't he didn't have to do that. They were like, oh, that's close enough. We can get a side-by-side to it. Brought a winch in, picked it up for him, brought it out. <laughs> you know, it was unbelievable. We've got that whole story in podcast form somewhere. Um, we'll get an episode number for anybody that's interested in hearing that. We're chatting with Brad Clay this week from Final Ascent Outdoors. Glad to have you back, man. Yeah, good to be here, buddy. Good to be here, man. What's uh, what's the last year looked like for you, if you can go back uh, that far? Well, uh, this was a really, really tough deer season. Uh, I feel like I got... Honestly, I got, well, I'm, I'm uh, happy uh, to most, hear you say that. Most people would say yeah. that. I was visiting with Jeff Danker, another Oklahoma you know, TV show host, uh, Buck Ventures on the Outdoor Channel, and visiting with him, and he said... If every year was as tough as this year, I'd quit. 
I'd be done. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I have a uh, question from the novice in the room. Yeah. Do you think it was because it was so hot in the last part of the summer for some reason and it just like made them more active and wanted to move around more? Or I, I don't know. I'm just so, so asking th- a general question, I guess. I think it's the, you know, the, I think we've had a, I think rain played a big role in it. I think a drought played a role in it. Um, and I say, I say all that. So I'm, my my family owns a ranch in western Oklahoma, Roger Mills County. What well, I actually pay taxes in Wheeler County, Texas. Like our land bleeds into Texas, and um, we had such a bad drought. I started watching it happen. We've got big wheat fields out there. It was not uncommon to sit on a sixty acre wheat field and see a hundred deer a night. And I just as rain totals had had lessened, especially two summers ago. Um we see this this drought taking place and i start looking at it and going well there's only 40 deer in the field now and then another year it's like there's only 15 deer in the field i just started noticing these deer but we weren't finding bodies so i actually talked to marcus thibodeau who's one of our oklahoma uh wildlife biologists in he's out in pack saddle western oklahoma area and he's like we're not finding dead bodies it's not a disease um, he says, I think the deer have walked away and found fresh water. It's an exodus. It's an exodus that they actually left and went to other places to find fresh water. Um, my grandma has lived on our family's ranch uh, in that area. She's almost 88 years old. And she said that Rush Creek, which runs through the middle of our ranch, she said two summers ago, she says it was the first time she's seen it in her lifetime go completely dry. Hmm. And so, um, I think it was more that the the deer didn't die. I think they, they they it was an exodus. They walked to places where they could find fresher water. Um, I will say numbers were back, but deer just kind of they just acted weird to me. Like there was no pattern. Like I hunted a a really 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 big deer on our ranch in western Oklahoma, and there was no pattern, zero pattern to this deer. Like uh, I saw him with my eyes once, and I got three trail camera pictures of him. And, but there was no pattern. Like he would not come back to this area, this field three weeks at a time, you know, four weeks at a time. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like he, it was just, it was just a weird, it was just a weird year. At what point in the season is that? Is that pre-rut? This was rut. Peak rut. Peak rut. rut. Uh, I didn't have any pictures of him early. Uh, found him during peak rut, uh, in a field pushing like a 145 inch 10 pointer, like bowing up to him like you do not want any and this deer was like you're right i don't like he was like you can have all the ladies in this field like he just he just postured him and i was watching from you know 600 yards away through binoculars and be like this is a just a stud Hmm. and then i hunted him i mean 20 days almost straight and never saw him again in that field wow then i get it end up getting pictures of him mid-december again just random and it was like 3.30 in the afternoon, you know, on a wheat field, not not in the brush, not in a bedding area, on the edge, of, on the field, 3.30 in the afternoon. And then like right around January 1st, get another picture of him. And that was it. Mm-hmm. It was just weird. It was just weird. There was no pattern ability. Have you heard similar from, did Danker tell you the same story? Yes. Other people hearing same thing. that same it was type just, of deal? It was just tough. It was just really, really tough. Now you got to think, if we're having issues finding big deer 
the issue wasn't last year. It wasn't the year before. It wasn't the year before. It wasn't the year before. We're talking about something that affected that deer herd four, five, six years ago, mm-hmm. right? Because that, where did those fawns go? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're looking at it going, hey, I'm having a shortage of big mature bucks. Well, it wasn't last year, the year before. We're talking about four, five, six years ago mm-hmm. was an issue. And so, uh, and you don't realize it at the moment, right? I mean, because we're, we're, we, we look at trail cameras or whatever, and we're just talking about the right now. Okay, this buck, or maybe even we may see a three-year-old or a two-and-a-half-year-old be like, hey, this deer's got potential, and you start to pay attention to him, but you're not paying attention to one-year-olds. You're not paying attention to, you know, yearlings, things like that you're getting pictures of. You're just mm-hmm. not paying attention to it. Right. Well, all of a sudden, you didn't pay attention to it, and all of a sudden now, four, five, six years later, you're going, hey, we got a problem, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like maybe that was part of it. Um, I actually hunted a, a big portion of the year with Woods County Whitetails yeah. in Freedom, Oklahoma. Um, I sat, they got great deer. I mean, every year they kill. How is that place? That's stupid. Like, it's so nice. Um, they have, I mean, they're connected to Oki Hides. Yep. Um, which, you know, I know, um, done advertising here with you guys and then sponsor Final Descent Outdoors as well. Um, but like, it's just, I mean, there's like 40 Oki Hides (laughs) on this ranch, you know, but you're talking about 20,000 acres in Northwest Oklahoma, you know, not far from the Kansas line, right on the Cimarron River, like big deer country. And they had some big deer on camera. And I, I saw, I saw, I saw Booner there. Um, uh, they called the joke, they called him Joker. He was a big deer. I saw him twice. I was bow, I bow hunted every, every time I was there. Um, I saw him twice. He just didn't get in bow range, 75 yards out. And then about 150 yards out two times that I saw him, um, saw big deer, but, uh, I sat, uh, I sat about 90 hours at Woods County Whitetails and passed a lot of great 135-inch deer, a lot of them. I could not get a mature buck in front of me, you know, in bow range. And bow hunting's hard. It just is. But uh, I got to be there in camp when some other people killed some great deer. Uh, Opening weekend, I was there when Wesley from Buck Ventures, who's in a wheelchair, Mm -hmm. uh, I was there when he killed his buck in, in camp, and that was that's right stinking cool man like um you know he has a a friend that helps him and you know has a trigger system that he because he can't pull a trigger Mm -hmm. you know and they have it rigged up for him to be able to pull the trigger he shot with a crossbow it was awesome to be there and experience that and uh, i got to see a lot of good deer hanging i just i just wasn't the one that ever got to be the one that uh did it and that's hunting sometimes yeah that's that's okay but it was a weird year so you didn't harvest anything this year i didn't no i didn't harvest i didn't harvest i shot a ton of pigs so and you know me as a weekend warrior hunter, mm-hmm. I didn't shoot anything this year either, right? Yeah. I may go out and I may sit. I didn't sit very much this year either. That's part of it. Um, but when I think of, you know, the U's of the world, the Jeff Dankers of the world, you know, a tough hunting season, it's hard for me to think about someone like you getting skunked. Yeah, it's hard for me to think about it too. Yeah. You know, this is my livelihood. Exactly. Um, and just the number of hours, right? Yeah, and if I added it up, I'm probably somewhere in the, oh man, 250 hours, probably. Yeah. Like in, in yeah. a, actually in a stand. How I, many sits? Hmm. I'm going to say that I averaged three and a half hours a sit. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Somebody do the math on that. You know, what's, what's three and a half? You know, divided by... It's like 70-something, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I probably sat. I probably sat seventy times. Yeah. You know, and I and I we had I shot a bunch of pigs. I I, I wore pigs out, man. Like pigs just kept. You know, they come to a feeder, and I'd be like, mm, with a bow. <laughs> and it makes great footage. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, I, and I also spent a lot of – there's some of those 70 hours where I was playing dad guide as well. You know, I got four kids. Yeah. My four kids love to hunt, you yeah. know. And so uh, my I got to be there when, you know, two of my boys, you know, two of my boys killed deer. My oldest son, Matthias, shot a buck and, you know, pumped and – uh, actually, I didn't sit with him. I put him and his best friend in a blind together, and they they harvested a he harvested a buck, and his friend shot his first deer ever, shot a doe, and cool. You know, they had a great time. And then I got to be with my ten year old. Yeah, uh, he killed a killed a deer, and, and he brought a buddy with him, and his buddy killed his first buck cool. too. And so it was a lot of fun. Um, and so some of those seventy hours were playing. Yeah. playing dad guide my know. year looked a lot like that too you know my dad's been coming down for the last couple of years from missouri to get to hunt now that he's retired and the oaky hide is such a great feature for us to be able to get him elevate a little bit enclosed yeah. um so i spent at least the first half of the season doing more guiding of my dad than hunting for myself um and on one of those nights i should have shot the deer that i had a chance at this year um, I just wasn't honestly in the mindset because I was f- so focused on trying to get deer his direction where he was going to be and all this. And it was a Thursday night and I knew we were going to hunt for like four nights in a row together. Right. Um, and there was a mature buck that wandered through, you know, we've got 400 acres on this lease that we're on. So it's a good chunk of land. I don't mean to talk like it's small, but compared to 40,000 acres, you know, we pretty much know every deer that's moving through there and yeah, yeah. where they track and how they trail and, um, this deer that walked up in front of me was right at last light. I was having a hard time making out which deer it was, but I could tell it wasn't a deer that I was expecting to see at that feeder that night, right? Um, and I decided to pass because I couldn't get a good enough view of him to know. He walked into 40 yards, which is about my limit with a bow of where I'm really comfortable shooting. Yeah. Um, he gave me a broadside as he was moving. I could have tried to stop him, and I just said, I'm going to hunt the next three nights. I got another good chance to figure out who this deer is and hopefully get a better shot. And um, So I passed. Didn't ever see him again on the hoof. Yeah. Um, now I have not confirmed that it was the deer that we called Vince. Um, but ironically enough, I, you know, get back to the truck and I'm calling my buddies that I'm on the lease with and we're telling this story. And I say, it looked like Vince. It was a real wide eight. Um, but Vince had never been on that half of the property. He, he kind of had his running lane and we had another shooter that was on this front side. And, um, sure enough, 24 hours later, Vince hit the camera that I had there. So there's a really good yeah, chance it, it was, was him. Yeah. Um, but we'd never seen him in that area, which is really out of character. And I wasn't in the mindset to loosen arrow that night because I was so focused on guiding. Um, and honestly, I didn't have time on Friday to chop up a deer anyway. So it, it was the right decision. Um, but it was one of those years for me, too, where, you know, last year, two seasons ago, it felt like nothing could go wrong. You know, I got a fall turkey with my bow, got the black bear in Idaho, shot a mature buck that wandered onto this lease, um, didn't even draw my bow back this year. I take that back. The last weekend I went out just to shoot a doe, um, and they spooked as I went to draw back. So mm. too many eyeballs. Yeah. Does are kind of tough, man. Hey, a mature, a big, 
a big mature nanny doe yeah. is is harder to kill than a big mature buck. There's a lot of people I think that would be comforted uh, yeah. by hearing you say no, that. No, it's a hundred percent true. Like uh, they are they're you know, they're they're tough. They can be they can be very, very tough. I tell you know, people it's hard to fool them. Yeah. I tell people that don't understand it that same way all the time. Like just think about think about human beings. You know, think about like males of the human species when you get that testosterone going the hormones you know think about like a high school male how much easier would they be to kill than an experienced well, you think female there's two things that that'll get any man in trouble their stomach and yep. their loins yep right yeah stomach and your loins bro and so i always tell people they'll be like man you know how, how do you guys, you, normally, not me this year, thank goodness I got other guys that film for me, so we have, you know, deer footage this year. How do you guys consistently, you know, kill big deer? And be like, well, you got to realize what that deer is a slave to. Yeah. He's a slave to two things, his stomach and his loins. Yep. And there's certain times of year where you play that to your advantage, you know. Um, and late season, they're going to be a slave to their loins, man. Or, or during the rut, they're going to be a slave to their loins. Late season, they're going to be a slave to their stomach. They got mm-hmm. They got to come back to food. And so, you know, using those to your advantage is going to help you, you know, consistently harvest. But, I mean, it's true. The you nanny know? does get to use the, their brains, right? The nanny does get. <laughs> and you got to think how many times they, you know, because there's, there's more nanny does than there are big mature bucks, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they've seen stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those nanny does, they've, they've seen stuff, you know. They've seen you climb out of that stand at dark. Yep. You know, they, they've just learned over the years. So you talk about... A six-year-old doe, listen, she knows stuff. Yep. She's smart, man. Yep. She's seen Stomping it. and yeah. snorting. And... She's seen it, man. She's seen yep. it. So it, they're, hard, they're hard to kill. Yep. We're yeah. chatting this week with Brad Clay from Final Descent Outdoors. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have more Inside the Outdoor Hour on 107.7 The Franchise. You're listening to the Outdoor Hour with your host Taylor Maples and Josh Stratton on 1077, the franchise. Welcome back inside the Outdoor Hour. Taylor Maples, Brad Clay from Final Descent Outdoors. Man, busy time of year. It is. This uh, January's trade show season, which stinks because obviously there's still hunting season going on. <laughs> but this is trade show season for the outdoor industry in a lot of ways. So uh, we were in St. Louis at the Archer Trade Association show at the beginning of January. Um, and so that's where all your archery manufacturers come, uh, set up their booths, have show. It's not open to the public. Um, it's just for uh, people that are in the outdoor industry. So you've got media companies like ourselves that are a television production that are there you've got uh obviously buyers so you know you got uh you own a bow shop uh you own uh you know everything from a mom paw store to a big box store those people that are distributors um all those things are there um walking around having meetings looking at new products you know hopefully placing some orders and uh, all those things and uh you know a lot of media work done on on some new on new products that are there as well and so that that's the ata show and it was in st louis this year uh, we were there for for four days for that and then uh we just it just seems like it was yesterday we were at shot show in las vegas which is massive it is the largest uh i believe the largest gun uh and gun accessory show in the world 
and it's in Las Vegas. It's held at uh, the Venetian Sands Expo Center, uh, and also it has grown now. They have a bridge that they've built uh, from the Venetian that goes over to Caesar's Palace uh, and the Caesar's Forum. And so now there's all those vin- vendors that are in there as well. It's crazy. There was 2,600 vendors. I believe it was it was 14 or 19 miles of aisle space. That If you walked every aisle, it would be somewhere. It was either 14 or 19 miles. I can't remember. Either uh, one. That's either one. unbelievable. And I think we had 50, they had 56,000 visitors. And once again, it's not open to the public. Those are people that either, uh, you know, are in the industry in some way doing marketing, mm-hmm. distribution, uh, own a shop, something in that that realm. But there were fifty six thousand people at Shot Show in Las Vegas. What jumped out at you? What products have you seen in the last couple of weeks? That oh, man, you know, I get I, I'm a little jaded because this was my fourteenth year to go to both of them. Sure, and I do feel like sometimes, just being honest with you, um, we're not super innovative. You know, it's like the same thing, just kind of redone over and over and over and over again. And it gets a little bit frustrating, a little bit. This is just me being honest with longevity of being in the industry. Um, Some cool things that I saw were, uh, one is just the amount, especially at SHOT Show, the amount of people that now have formed and there's options for thermal equipment, thermal hog hunting, thermal scopes. And, uh, the clarity of those, it used to be, it was like, Hey, you know, 420 resolution was as good as you get. Then we hit 640 and then it was 920, you know, and now they're talking about, you know, having these infrared cameras that are going to start pushing 4k, you know, in an infrared, like it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And so there's a company called infrared, uh, that was there and had a huge display and they're playing like this high definition thermal footage of hunts in their booth and it was really really cool um but just the amount of thermal options that are out there it used to be there's you know two or three companies mm-hmm. and that has really 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 grown a ton and then um man one of the cool i can't even remember what it was called but one of the coolest things that i did see was a pull behind camper that folded into itself and it wasn't cloth it was a hard plastic but it folded inside of itself to the width of the tire and it would f- pull back out and it would literally was the, like you could, a queen size bed would fit in it. And it would pull, you could pull it behind your side by side, your vehicle. Like, so if you were like, you know, you're on your side by side, you're going back in someplace and you were like, Hey, I'm just going to, I'm just going to camp back here. Like you could legit pull that out, have a, a bed, had a spot for a generator. Like, and it was nice on the inside, mm. but it folded up inside of itself. That's cool. It was super innovative. And I remember I told the guys like, you know, I've been here 14 years. I'm kind of jaded to this. Every year I see maybe three things and I'm like, that's really cool. That's cool. And that was probably one of the cooler things that I saw. And then, of course, flamethrowers. I was going to ask. <laughs> that seemed from from the people I follow that were at SHOT Show. There's flamethrowers. The flamethrowers like, seem to be the, the hot you, thing. I, I no own pun one. Intended. I own a flamethrower. I own a flamethrower. Okay. Uh, I, I bought one uh, a couple years ago. And it's this, this just stupid... Uh, toy i mean the obvious follow-up question is why but the obvious answer to that is why not why not (laughs) exactly why would you not own a flamethrower if you could buy one yeah you know that's just how i looked at it but so the company that makes the flamethrower they were there and so i walked into their booth and i'm looking and now they make a tank 
uh, like a, a a backpack that a tank of the, yeah. the fuel for it yeah and i was like this is like so they're she, like they have all these incredible videos of people like in the up uh in the north like clearing their driveways of snow and ice with a flamethrower can you imagine your neighbors just out there just, like, <laughs> just burn i mean just melting that's the so snow rad. down but uh you know they were talking about for like Oklahoma Wildlife Department, which right now is doing a bunch of control burns, mm-hmm. uh, is happening like at Pack Saddle out in western Oklahoma for quail and, and turkey habitat. They're doing a lot of burning, like it's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about, man, you talk about like a great tool, you know, because they can just get in and just, boom, like big brush piles, just hit them, you know. Um, anyway, so those were there. That was, that was, that was, that's, it's just cool. <laughs> People just talk cool. about these. You know, you see them on occasion. The first time I'd ever actually been in the room with one, um, I'm not going to say who, but I was at a car dealership in town. Um, and the general manager had just been to a show and had picked one of these up. And we didn't play with it, but he brought it out and let us see it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, the fact that we live in a society where you can just go buy a flamethrower <laughs> is, uh, it says something. America. Sure. Exactly. America, yeah. baby. What do you use yours for? Nothing. Yeah? No, I just, like, I, I've, I've used it to just burn, do control burns. Okay. That was it. Like, yeah. I've only just used it for control burns, but it's just... You know, somebody will, you know, somebody will be at the house and see it and they'll be like, oh, is that that flamethrower? And then I'll get it in the backyard and just, you know, shoot flames 30 feet out. <laughs> and they're like, that's really cool. And then I go set it on a shelf again in, yeah. my, in my building. And that's, yeah. that's kind of where it lives. All right. Dinner's but, ready. Let's yeah, dinner's <laughs> ready. Let's go in, you know, like that's it. It's just, it was an impulse buy. I'll just be honest with that's you. That's cool though. You know, it's one of those yeah. things you buy and your wife looks at you and be like, oh my God, idiot. You yes. Know? But. It, yeah. it is what it is. Here yeah. we are, you know. So tell me about the show. What season are you guys on? Oh, so we uh, just wrapped up season 13, which is crazy. Uh, made it longer than uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Um, so, you know, just out here uh, living the dream. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, we just finished up our 13th season, which is crazy to think about. Um, we've we've been on uh, the Pursuit Channel. We're the longest consecutive running show at the Pursuit Channel. Um, I think this is their now their 15th year, and this will be our 14th year on the network. And so, been there a long time, um, air nationally there. Uh, we also air on Wild TV in Canada, which is their their outdoor network. And so, we've been there now for three seasons, airing on Wild TV. And then, we air here in Oklahoma City on KSBI 52 weeks a year uh, throughout Oklahoma uh, on KSBI Channel 52. And so, right now, we're in season nine on Channel 52. So, showing some of our reruns of past hunts. And it's been fun uploading those to the network because it's some stuff that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. So, it's been kind of fun. Which of those episodes that you've kind of revisited jumped out at you? Oh, man. Uh, there was uh, just some stuff with my kids. Like, some stuff that I haven't looked at in a while. Like, some hunts with my kids. It was really, really good. Um, there was a uh, our old broadhead company that we used to work with. Um, there was an episode that aired, I believe it was this past Sunday, uh, and they brought some of their broadheads into test and they'd never seen them actually work on an animal before. And so they brought it in and, and we shot a, a deer, a doe, and it looked like a, you shot her with a, you threw a hatchet at her. It just looked like a, you know, Viking had thrown a, you know, a hatchet and left this just, I mean, so just watching some of the, that old stuff and reminisce cause it's all memories for me. They're like your home videos. They you are. Know? It's kind of crazy to think like that, but they really are. And seeing all of those bring back memories mm-hmm. uh, for me, some good and some bad, you know, not all of it's, I mean, there's, there's, you know, an episode in there in season nine where, you know, it's called 
you know, I think it's called bad luck, Brad, you know, and just, you know, I had a hunt that just stuff didn't go right. So like everything went wrong. And, and so, you know, um, it's the good and the bad, obviously most of it good, but yeah, it is. It really is. I'm like my home movies. That's exactly what it's kind of like. There's a weird pressure to do what you do. I think everybody like me that is a weekend warrior DIY hunter thinks, man, it'd be so cool to have a TV show and work in the industry and do that full time. But that content creation machine, I mean, I'm sure that keeps you up at night at times. It does. And if you follow us on, follow us on social media, we work really, really hard to create content every day. I mean, we post reels. Uh, we put, we try to be as active as we can because now that's written into our contracts. And so it is a little bit unfortunate, um, the pressure that is on us, because we do have contracts with companies that are either paying us or giving us products to feature and use, and there's expectations there. So um, I do hunt for fun. I still love to hunt. But I, I, like you said, you know, you – it's different for you to say, hey, I didn't harvest a deer this year yeah. than it is for me to say I didn't harvest a deer this year. Yeah. And it wasn't from a lack of trying. Sure. It wasn't from a lack of going. Now, I filmed a lot of deer die. I filmed one from, uh, we have a ministry a banquet that we do every year, and we auction off some hunts. One of them was a muzzleloader hunt. And I filmed that guy shoot a great eight-pointer. I mean, 135-inch mature big eight-pointer. Um, I got to see deer die, but for me personally, I didn't pull the trigger. And it's like... Hey, man, Brad, you know, CVA pays you a lot of money to hunt and use a CVA rifle, and you didn't you didn't shoot a deer with a CVA rifle or, you know, whoever that might be. Hey, HHA Sports gives you a lot of money to use their bow sight, and, you know, you shot some pigs, which is great, but you didn't shoot that big deer, you know, like, like you really thought you would. And so there is pressure on us, but my mindset has changed a little bit. Um, and it was funny, before we started recording, you were talking about, you know, your other roles that you have besides, you know, you, you're not, uh, you're not out here just doing the outdoor hour. There's mm-hmm. other things you got to do, right? You're the mm-hmm. voice of, oh, you softball and doing other things. And you talked about how your family changes mm-hmm. that. And I got four kids and my kids are now heavily involved in sports and activities. You know, I played football in college. We're, we're a sports family. And my oldest son, uh, Matthias plays baseball at Oklahoma Christian Academy. He's a sophomore. He starts in left field. And uh, if you would ask me, Brad, would you rather shoot a 170-inch whitetail or go watch my son play in a weekend baseball tournament? I'm going to go watch my son play in a weekend baseball tournament. That's really cool. It's just That's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, my dad died of leukemia when I was seven years old. My mom didn't remarry until I was in high school. I didn't have anybody to come watch me play. I didn't have my dad there to watch me play. Um, and so I do put pressure on myself. I'll watch other hunting shows or i'll watch you know through social media and see these guys they've been in iowa for 12 days and i look at it and i'm like man i'm at a different place in life than they are like they don't have kids my kids age i've got 15 13 10 and 7 and my kids are all heavily involved in sports and they're my they're my first priority they're my number one ministry are my children and so i hate being absent i hate it um, even times where, um, I just spoke at an event in Arkansas and my daughter the next day had to play in Dallas at 9am and I'm like, I, I booked an airplane tickets, you know, I mean, it was a four hour drive, but I couldn't make it to Dallas in time to watch her game, but I could if I flew. And so it's like, I'll go out of my way, 
even if it costs me money because I don't want to miss my kids' stuff. And so it has caused me to reevaluate probably a little bit of the show. And I realize this is just a window. This is a short window with my kids. Like, I can't believe my, 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 my son Matthias is, you know, he's a really good baseball player. And uh, I can't believe that he's fixing to turn 16. And, you know, and I think about even little things like he goes to practice. And, or he says, hey, dad, can you take me to the cages? When he turns 16, he's not going to need me to drive him there anymore. And I think about stuff like that. Like, he's not going to need me to take him to practice because he can drive himself. He's not going to need me as much. And so, by gosh, I want to be there for the need as much as I can. Yeah. And so it's changed my mindset when it comes to the hunting. Obviously, I'm the host of Final Descent Outdoors. I still hunt a lot. I mean, I spent 250 hours hunting, but most of that was around my kids' activities. And I put a lot of miles on vehicles because I'll drive to Freedom, Oklahoma and hunt two days, but I will come back to watch my kids play sports and then turn around and go back, you know? And, and put two and a half, three hour drive on. And that's fine because that's most important. It's hard to get to that point where <clears throat> you admit to yourself that that's kind of the season you're in. I feel like I'm just on the threshold of that. I've got an 18 month old girl at home and she was three weeks old when I went on a bear hunt in Idaho and my wife was pissed. Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like I, I had this sense of, this is a very short window that I'm living in right now. You know, we're getting this show, the Outdoor Hour, off the ground. We've got some deals, some contracts, some obligations, some opportunities. You know, want to maximize this. But I know a day is coming where I'm going to be in the season that you're in. And, you know, because this isn't my full-time gig, I may not be able to justify 250 hours in a deer stand in a year. You know, there may be years that I don't hunt. Um, and I've tried really hard over the last couple of seasons to build the experiences, grow uh, what we could while I can, because I know that there is a day coming. As busy as I am in my personal life today, um, I'm just getting started. For sure. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't realize that when I had kids. And I, I'm thankful that my kids enjoy hunting. And so I got to spend a lot of those those 250 hours that I hunted this year. I did get to spend a lot of those with my kids. My 10-year-olds ate up with it. Ate up with hunting like that's all he if it's not sports it's it's hunting and he loves it and he got up every morning during rifle season and went with me like he didn't miss a one and so he loves it he's ate up with it any tips or tricks for trying to get kids in that direction don't be picky about what they shoot yeah don't be picky like i have high standards for myself you know like i want to shoot a big mature buck that's what i want to shoot i don't care if he's a i don't care if he's a five and a half year old six pointer that's going to score 115 inches. If he's mature, that's what I'm going to shoot. I want to mm -hmm. shoot a big mature buck. My kids, pull that trigger. If it makes you happy, I want them to fall in love with it, right? I want them to fall in love with it. So you got to make it fun. You know what I mean? Enjoy it. It's okay to bring snacks into the stand. And if, the, and if your kid's in there eating a bag of Doritos, runs off a big buck, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I had to get, It's hard. it was hard for me to get to a place to say, it's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's okay. You're physically wearing fun. the oaky hide hunting blind hat today. I am, yeah. You know, it's that's such a great um, option for people in that season of life, right? It is. To I be mean, able to take I, your I, kids. Take, if you, first off, just the elements, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard. It's mm -hmm. hard to take your kids. Sometimes, you know, we're going deer hunting and it's freezing cold, snow on the ground. Being able to climb into an oaky hides, 
get in, bring a little buddy heater, turn that on. And all of a sudden we've been sitting in here for an hour and, you know, we're taking jackets off and it's 10 degrees outside. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It just makes that a whole lot of use. So it's a great investment. And the other thing is too, you know, they have a 25 year warranty, you know, limited warranty, you know, I mean, if you bust a window or something, they, but I mean, the structure itself, you got a 25 year warranty. You know, if you have a, an Oki hides blind, you're not just buying it for yourself. You're buying it for your kids and your grandkids. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're going to sit in it. Yeah. You know, and, you know, more than likely your kids' kids are going to sit in it. And there's a chance that your kids' kids' kids will also sit in it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's it's an investment. But, man, with kids, it's a, it's a great investment. 26-gauge galvanized sheeting. These things don't, like, oil can wobble. The way they wrench them into the ground is unbelievable. The amount of care. I know you've been down there to actually see them make these hides. I have as well. They take just as much care in putting them on the earth as they do building them, you know, from start to finish. And they're also now all all real tree, you know. They're all real tree uh, edge uh, blinds. And, you know, the camo pattern itself has a 25-year warranty on it, you know. I mean, so... They come with uh, an incredible warranty, and what's cool, too, is they're made here in Oklahoma. And I guarantee you, if you wanted to go, like, I don't know, if, I, if I'm going to spend, you know, a couple thousand bucks on a hunting blind, I sure would like to go see it. Well, guess what? I'll bet you they'd let you. Yeah. <laughs> you can go. We tell people all the time, call Roy, go ask for Rivers. Say, hey, I want to come see where wanna, they make these I want to go look at it. They'll and you'll take walk you in, and you get to see it. You go, they, do they have to powder coat them? No, nope, they sure don't, but they do. You know, I mean, it's just everything's above and beyond. Um, You know, that was one of the things that I did at trade shows this year, going to ATA, going to SHOT Show. All these blinds that were on the show floors, I took took time to go into them and look at them. You know, I'm sitting in a a blind of of a company, and it's an injection-molded plastic blind. Uh, It's $700 more expensive than an Oki Hides, and I'm sitting in it, and I'm like, the only thing that they have in this is it's got a, cushy floor and i don't really know why i need that you know yeah but like it doesn't the windows weren't as nice there's no shelving in it none like there wasn't a shelf one in this blind hmm. and oaky hides has shelves everywhere i mean you know you're you put your i get in on oaky hides and i'm like all right pull out my bottle of water i set it on a shelf i got my binoculars i get my range finder you know i've got my extra batteries for my camera and none of it's in my way hooks to hang bags yeah on you just, and it's just everything yeah, yeah. it's just it's it's a hunting blind made by hunters that yeah. went who, you know, you go out and hunt at Woods County Whitetails and you get into the first gen yeah. blinds. I've got like, one of the first gen. Mine's number, I think, 27. Yeah. Well, that, even before, like, you'll go in and get a number three. <laughs> and you're like, you see the evolution of that blind. Yeah. You know, and be like, man, this is like shelving in yeah. the inside. It's Mine's still pun- uh, sponge painted on the outside. Oh, yeah. This I've was got, pre-wrapped. And, oh, yeah. No, I've got yeah. I've got some of those, too. And uh, But they've just come so far, yeah. you know, in the evolution of those blinds. And honestly, it's cool because we don't have a whole lot of Oklahoma outdoor products. There's not very many made here. I will say at SHOT Show, the Oklahoma uh, uh, Commerce Commission was full force out there, buddy. We cool. had we had a team of state reps, uh, of people from the commerce who were out there recruiting businesses, outdoor awesome. outdoor, con- outdoor industry companies, trying to recruit them to come to Oklahoma. Well, G&H Decoys has been a great success. Yeah, story. man. Hog awesome. Island Boats, you know, moving yeah. some stuff into their warehouse as well, their factories. So. Yeah, I knew. So I... They were one of our first ever partners way back in the day, G&H. Okay. When Duck, Duck G, the you know, he's not the, you know, his dad was a founder, but he, 
and going in there and touring the facility with him and seeing it. Have you ever seen how that works? Have you ever no. watched it? It's unbelievable. Like they lay that plastic onto the mold, right? And this deal drops down and it just blows hot air, like extreme hot air. And it blows it on that and it forces it into the mold. It's crazy, but watching all that take place and actually seeing it. Mm-hmm. But you're, we don't have a lot of those. There's not very many outdoor manufacturers. Of course, a big one, Zebco. Zebco is a massive entity. Obviously, yeah. almost everybody's on the Zebco fishing pole as a kid. Uh, and growing up, I still have Zebco uh, today. Um, and we do have some of those. Like Blue Wave Boats um, is manufactured here. And they're a coastal boat, but they're manufactured in Seminole, Oklahoma. And uh, there's a few, but we don't have a lot. Uh, especially in the hunting. It seems like we have more fishing. I don't know why that is. Um, we're not near an ocean, but here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but having oaky hides here and to see them prosper and see them grow uh, is is really, really a cool thing. Check out okihides.com if you're interested. Um, not a planned little infomercial there. No, it but wasn't, but it worked out well. well worth it. We love those you're guys. You're welcome, Roy and Rivers. <laughs> you're welcome. We're going to squeeze in another break. You're listening to the Outdoor Hour on 107.7 The Franchise. Now back to the Outdoor Hour with your hosts Taylor Maples and Josh Stratton on 107.7 The Franchise. Welcome back. Final segment this week on the Outdoor Hour. I'm Taylor Maples. I'm sitting down with Brad Clay from Final Descent Outdoors. You guys have a new season that you'll be releasing eventually. It's just crazy. It feels like we just finished, but here we are again. It's just a never-ending cycle. So uh, our guys have to have their footage turned in. Um, I say have to. I push <laughs> them to have their footage turned in February 15th. How many guys? Uh, so we have eight pro staff guys, and then we have a team of about 12 field staff and really the only difference is in between in those is our requirements from a filming standpoint we ask our, our pro staffers to have a cameraman so you're not trying to self-film uh and uh we ask them to do an out-of-state hunt every year so they got to spend you know a little bit more time a little bit more money uh from their their side of it to to do that now they can hunt with an outfitter for free if that outfitter will ch- exchange that for being featured on our show but they just have to put in the effort to do it, and so we ask them to do that. So there's just a little bit of a, uh, a more, but so there's a, a grand total of us, everything, land management specialist. There's there's 22 altogether okay. of us. How many hours of footage do you get back? Man, it just depends on the guy. Um, you know, we had Rick Thomas, one of our staffers, uh, you know, had gone to Alaska and uh, killed a grizzly and a moose, 63-inch bull moose, killed a, killed a big grizzly bear with a, with a CVA muzzleloader. Um, he came back and he was somewhere around nine hours of footage, uh, from that two week excursion. And is that one episode? That, that was actually, boil we're going to put that into two episodes. And so, you know, for that one, those two, those two episodes, um, you know, we're only using 21 minutes and 30 seconds footage. And so you got to take a grand total of 44 minutes of usable footage out of nine hours. And so it's a lot of work. People don't realize, you know, uh, the amount of work we went into doing final descent outdoors thinking, it was going to be 90% hunting, 10% business, business being the work aspect of it. And we quickly learned that it's uh, 10% hunting and 90% business. How do you guys handle the storyboard process of your episodes? Do That's you just kind of thing let it that unfold? I enjoy probably the most is some of it unfolds itself and sometimes we have to go find it. 
Um, but I enjoy the storyboard aspect of it. So I'll get the footage laid into a timeline and I will do a initial, uh, pre-cut of that. Right. So I'll do a first cut of it, find the story that I want to try to mesh together with it. And, um, you know, if that's actually pulling another hunt in from somebody else, combining some hunts together, you know, one guy, Hey, he's got a great kill, but you know, he only got 22 seconds of the deer. Why can't you, you know, we can't do a full, so we're combining hunts. We're looking for kind of a, um, a vein that kind of draws those things together, storyboarding that together. I enjoy that part of it. I really do. And I'm probably way more hands-on than most hosts are from that part of it. Um, I don't just turn that over to the creative minds. I enjoy that. Um, I don't enjoy the full-blown editing as much, but I do enjoy doing select cuts and saying, Hey, here's, here's how it goes. Um, but you know, each episode we're probably somewhere from, um, scripting, storyboarding, um, editing, shooting interviews for those, um, color correction, sound and closed captioning. We're somewhere in the 35 to 40 hours an episode to get those out the door and we take pride that we do a good job could we do it for less if we didn't weren't meticulous yes but we do take a lot of pride that we feel like we make a really really good show i'm excited to see some of them me too man we got some good stuff coming some great deer great deer hunts we always you know mix in some fun stuff in there we always do an alligator hunt every year in florida you know we we mix in some fun stuff with it too so um i'm I'm excited for season 14, you know, uh, it's just crazy. 14 years is, is wild to me, but I'm excited about it. Uh, for our listeners, maybe that aren't as familiar with your show one more time, go through how they can find you guys on social media, where the episodes live. All yeah, man, you can, uh, you can watch past episodes. Uh, we air every week uh, at 5 a.m. and 11 a.m. on KSBI channel 52 here in uh, Oklahoma city. And then uh, we also air on the Pursuit channel. If you don't have the Pursuit channel, you can download the Pursuit Up app. It's free to your smart TV. It's stinking awesome. Uh, We also air uh, on Carbon TV as well. So those are some streaming services. You can also find episodes on YouTube. You can follow us on YouTube. Just search Final Descent Outdoors. You'll find us there. Uh, Find a lot of our stuff there as well. Um, On social media, we're very, very active there. Uh, On Instagram, it's FD Outdoors. Love for you to give us a follow, follow along with what we're doing, being an Oklahoma-based hunting show. And then on Facebook, it's Final Descent Outdoors. That's D-E-S-C-E-N-T, not Finally Decent Outdoors, though that (laughs) happened about season three. Um, And then uh, you can find us on Twitter, too, at FD Outdoors. So uh, we'd love for people to follow along with us. This has been a fun ride, fun journey. We are a faith family hunting. That is our theme. Uh, That is our hashtag, and that's, that's what we do, man, faith family hunting. It's cool to see people in this space uh, doing it the right way for the right reasons and leaning into that faith and family orientation. Yeah, no, for us, I don't want to compartmentalize my life. Those are the most important things to me. And so I'm not going to compartmentalize it and not talk about any of them. They're they're all intertwined into the clay clan of my family. That's what we call it. We're the the clay clan, man. This is is us. This is our family. And uh, those things all intertwine together and you know, it's who we are. Well, you guys do a great job. I always enjoy seeing the social media. Um, you must do a great job for your advertisers because, man, they seem to just keep pouring in. So as somebody that also works in that space, it's cool. Well, we're cheap. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, we've tried to build relationships. People like to work with people that they like. And yeah. if, if people like you and you treat them good and treat them with respect and always do what you say you're going to do, You'll be just fine. This is Brad Clay joining us this week from Final Descent Outdoors. I'm Taylor Maples. Behind the glass is our good friend Goldfish. 
Matty Goldbranson. Glad to have you with us this week. You can find the Outdoor Hour on social media at Outdoor underscore Hour on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find me specifically at T underscore Maples if you're interested in following along there as well. Always enjoy having you join us inside the show. If you've got a business and you're interested in supporting content like this or any other shows on Tyler Media Properties, or you're just interested in learning more about marketing in general, drop me an email. I'd be more than happy to talk with you about how we can use the Tyler Media Properties to put your brand in front of people who need your services. My email is taylor.m at tylermedia.com. That's going to do it this week for the Outdoor Hour. If you're listening live here Wednesday night. Stay tuned. Coming up after the break, another great edition of The Road to OKC with Ryan Chapman and the great Alex Storacco. That'll be after the break. This has been the Outdoor Hour. Until next time, go boldly. We'll see you outdoors.